Welcome to Building Ideas, exceptional people discussing inspired experiences that create an enduring impact on our communities. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com. Hi, this is Bill Baker. Welcome to the podcast today. You know, as we've all gone through this spring and summer of pandemics, I think one of the reliefs we've all been able to enjoy is going to the great outdoors, whether it's in your neighborhood, in your yard, dealing with the parks and recreation, your community. And we certainly, all of us here at Building Ideas and at the MSA Design Firm have been doing that as well in all of our offices across Ohio and Florida. Today's guest is passionate about the outdoors. Uh, He's a friend of the firm and a friend of mine, and I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation. Matt Ehrman has served the city of Dublin, Ohio since 2004 and is currently the director of the city's Parks and Recreation Department. This Northern Virginia native has a Bachelor of Science in Forestry and Wildlife from the Virginia Tech University, home of the Hokies. Prior to coming to Dublin, he was involved in various positions within the Northern Virginia Regional Park Authority, and has been active in the Parks and Recreation professional community, having served on the Board of Directors of the Ohio Parks and Recreation Association. He's a proud dad, a great human being, and gets you really excited about getting outdoors in the future of what they're shaping in Dublin, Ohio, an amazing community in the Central Ohio region. So let's welcome today's exceptional person, Matt Ehrman. You know, I grew up uh, in Northern Virginia, which was just outside of Washington, D.C. And I, I was known for just being outdoors more than any, anywhere else. And knowing that I just wanted to, to be outdoors my entire life, I went into the field of parks and recreation at the age of 15, working at a park as a seasonal job. And at the time, I couldn't believe that I actually would get paid for doing what I always did anyway as a kid. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it was that long ago that I didn't know what I was going to do with $24 that I was going to make in an entire day. So um, really interesting beginning to my career. But I honestly, I fell in love with it. You know, I, I worked for the same agency in Northern Virginia for nine years as I went through high school and through college and, and ended up um, upon graduation being offered a full-time job. And you know, this agency was a regional agency across Northern Virginia, across three cities, three counties, um, a vast variety of different types of park amenities and park systems. And they gave me so many opportunities. I was blessed with uh, managing pretty much the entire gamut of a park system, which, I mean, you if I you ran through just some of the idea or some of the uh, influences I've had in, in that job, it was one day I was managing a historic farm to Civil War battlefields and wilderness areas to um, urban area uh, water parks and golf courses and conference centers, campgrounds, marinas, skeet and trap centers, outdoor concert venues. And, you know, it was it was the shuffle. Yeah. And, you know, I fell in love with it. it the you know, only problem was, you know, I, I became... Uh, you know, once I was in love with the outdoors and then I became infatuated with running what I call an enterprise type of a parks and recreation system. And um, it was based on a, a fairly revenue generation 
uh, type of a system to sustain the operation. And so I became a businessman, I, the way I look at it from a parks standpoint. But it gave me so many opportunities of learning, and I just fell in love with it. And over the years, unfortunately, that area, as most of anybody who's been around that area, it's, it's filled with traffic and, and high cost of living that I just couldn't afford to live there. And, and my mental state wouldn't allow me to stay there any longer. <laughs> and so the traffic drove me out of there. So um, I look, you know, I started looking around the country and I landed here in Dublin, Ohio. Best move I've ever made for my career and my family and, and for me personally. And I, I always joked around when I got here that I was the I was the biggest dork in the in the in the meeting because I was always twenty minutes early to meetings because I was planning for traffic coming across <laughs> the city. So, um, so I had to adjust a lot. And uh, coming out to the Midwest, things were a little bit slower and a little bit more uh, refined in the way of you know you didn't have the, the the migrant type of population. You had a set community that people ingrained in, and it was a big shift for me um but you know dublin ohio has given me so many opportunities and um and now being in the, the level of career i am i can't imagine ever wanting this as a kid <laughs> <laughs> now now that i'm in you know more of a, a citywide leadership role in the executive team and then you know i'm i'm ingrained so much into politics i don't even know what the outdoors feel like anymore so <laughs> it's um but you know it, you know i i I, I pride myself on what I do now, given the experiences I had. It had a huge influence on what I know today and how I can troubleshoot and, and, and for probably the most part, understand what my team's going through on a daily basis. So talk a little bit about the differences between running a multifaceted parks organization on the East Coast with a whole variety of history, right? It's around our nation's capital, hundreds and hundreds of years of history you have to preserve and enhance versus maybe a more of a Midwestern uh, approach, you know, flyover country, original country to, <laughs> to phase one flyover country. You know, that's interesting because the organization in, on the eastern side in Virginia, you know, the whole idea was to build and produce and provide opportunities from a parks and recreation standpoint that were regionally based. In other words, you know, we didn't build playgrounds. We didn't build just a shelter house you know we were building water parks and golf courses and you know things that would supply the region with the amenities that the, the local communities typically did not provide so um the other part of that though is the level at what that i was in my career at that point it was really interesting because most of everything i did at that point was i don't know it was more task based oriented in other words i knew what i needed to do and i needed and i knew how to do it but i think it wasn't until i came out here to a local community like dublin and you ingrain yourself into the community and you really get involved with the activities that not just the amenities provide but our programs and events and things that we produce it really creates this sense of purpose of what we do so my mind completely shifted from task oriented type of work to more of a insightful why are we doing what we're doing so it was a it was a pretty big paradigm shift for me yeah so on that journey as you rose up through the ranks both in the east coast and here in the midwest who are some key people or influences on your career and life's path that got you where you are today 
Wow, you know, that, that's a tough question for me. I I don't know that I have a specific, I have a few specific influence. I think the biggest one, and this one's going to be kind of funny, and that, I mean, it's my siblings. Uh-huh. My my brother and sister, I'm, I was the youngest of three in my family. And, you know, one of the things that, and the reason I bring up them as my influence is because my parents were um, a fairly regimented family. And those two, my two siblings, paved the way for me. And all I did was sit back and watch. <laughs> <laughs> and so I learned from that. I learned what not to do. I learned how not to get caught at something. I learned to know what pleased my parents. So, you know, I played that game and I knew how to um, get along through that type of a situation different than they did because they didn't have that influence. So I, you know, when I say that, I, I feel as though I do that in almost every environment that I'm in, no matter what room I'm in and who's in that room. I'm going to figure out that room pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, there was actually the, probably one of the biggest influences I had was a gentleman that I worked for uh, in Virginia. His name was Jack Roby. And um, he was the superintendent overseeing the operations of the entire agency. And I, got, I had the pleasure to work with him for a year and a half. And I spent a lot of time with him. And, and he taught me so much about the field that I never even thought of before. And I think that's what kind of helped me influence my thought process and, and shifting of, you know, you know, there's a purpose behind what you're doing. And I live by those purposes every day. So it's, you know, I, I, I understand why I'm going to work every day, not just to get a job done, but the reasons behind it. Mm-hmm. How is what you do different than maybe what the general public thinks about, you know, a major parks and recreation department, you know, what do you all do that's different than the, you know, for lack of a better term, the parks and rec TV show perspective, right? Um. <laughs> yeah, that's a broad question. I, um, <laughs> it's interesting you bring that up. I, I was brainstorming just the other day because we're working on this whole concept of creating dashboards of de- defining how we're winning. How do we know we're winning? How do you tell your story kind of thing? And so I was just brainstorming. I was just writing down all of the lines of business I could think of were in. And I stopped writing it at number 37. (laughs) (laughs) So when somebody asks, you know, what's the behind the scenes stuff of what you do? I I don't mean to uh, accept this as reality, but sometimes I, I feel as though people think is, for instance, it's pool season right now, and people are wanting us to open our pools like tomorrow. And <laughs> and it's as though I can walk into a room and flip a light switch, and suddenly the water is ready to go. You know that kind of thing. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we have to do. There's so many things in today's world that is a liability concern, mm-hmm. safety concerns. We have a lot of risk management protocols, assessments we have to do. We are financial stewards of every single dollar we spend. And, you know, we, for instance, we have 1,500 different programs that we operate here annually for the city, just from a recreation standpoint. And every single one of those programs has a business model behind it to include a financial structure. And it's all based on a cost recovery expectations that we are, are to achieve. So, you know, not only are we just fun and games, you know, we're doing more than throwing basketballs out on the court and saying, have fun. And, you know, there's this behind the scenes 
um, logistics and operational components to it. You know, every single position we have here has got to have certain levels of certifications and and certain levels of uh, continuing education credits to maintain those certifications. And there's a tremendous amount of uh, continuous learning that goes on in the profession. And, you know, you can't really explain that to people. Our job is to create experiences and create environments in which people can enjoy and be uh, a, a sense, you know, feel the sense of community. And that's really what we, that's what we deliver. That's mm-hmm. not what we do. It's what we deliver. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough question for any one of us in our field to be able to answer. Um, and then there's, of course, the politics behind all of it. And, you know, I'm watching you know, the Ohio governor's uh, announcements every day at two o'clock to find out what I've got to do different tomorrow that I've done differently yeah. today. So, you know, it's an ever changing world out there today as well. Yeah. Talk of that. That's a great segue. And to talk a little bit about the impact of this pandemic on what you and your team in the city does. Uh, related to parks and recreation. You know, as, the, as we were entering into the reality of this whole thing, there was a there was there's a certain level of fear, mm-hmm. and that fear was all over the place. From not just catching the virus, but what does that mean for us, our jobs, our our ability to serve, the things that we provide, and then we go through the process of actually, you know, implementing what we had to do at the time. And we had to do the exact opposite of what we've learned how to do throughout our careers. And that is to shut down our programs, close our facilities, uh, tape off our playgrounds, and take rims off of basketball courts, and finding ways for people to stop stealing toilet paper out of our public restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's a sad truth. And, <laughs> but, you know, we spent our time figuring out how, how do we restrict Finally, now that things are coming back online, um, 
we're seeing people get back into the swing of things, but we're still modified to the point where people are still asking questions and why aren't you doing this and why aren't you doing that? And then you compound that with the, the variety of different protocols that people are putting in place from one contiguous county or city to another. And, you know, we've got different health departments giving different guidelines. And so, you know, just because we're doing it this way, somebody else is doing it that way. One of them is right. and One of them is wrong all the time. And usually, you know, in this business, we can't please everybody, uh, but we try to. And this is such a polarized environment now where you're either really doing it well or you're not doing it well at all. <laughs> there's not a lot of grace in the middle, is there? No, there's not. Hmm. What's the long-term impact of this going to be? You know what? I think there's a couple of things here. There's a long-term and a longer-term, and I'll talk about both okay. of those. And one of the long-term effects of this is, you know, we in this industry have been toying around with virtual reality, virtual recreation, virtual this and that for probably the last decade. Suddenly in 2020, we had to flip that on a dime and provide it. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, spun out, I don't know, how many different virtual programs on a dime. And it's only the beginning, I think. This is something that was coming just based on technology alone. I think technology is is the biggest uh, unknown out there. And it's hard to plan for that kind of thing because you just don't know what that technology is going to bring. But, you know, the virtual world out there is going to provide us a lot of opportunities, in my opinion. People are still going to need those physical places and those uh, the physical environment in which to recreate and be outdoors and community and, and congregate and those kinds of things. If we ever get back to any kind of congregation in this world. Um, but that virtual reality is one of those things that, you know, we've learned a lot in the last, I don't know, two or three months. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't have done that if this um, pandemic hadn't set in and forced us to do that. And I think it's only going to grow from there. And I think, quite honestly, it can help generate some of those revenues that we might lose otherwise from mm-hmm. that programming. So that's my, you know, immediate long-term type of thing. I think that you're going to see more of that. The longer term of this and technology, you know, I'm, um, I've been to a couple of different conferences and this, this topic has come up. And I, I started thinking about it pretty deeply in that. You know, our physical world around us is changing, is going to change, in my opinion, very drastically. And I, you know, we are fighting, we have fought for all of this open space. And how are we going to be able to acquire land and, and do the things we need to do from a park system standpoint as the population grows? You know, once your um, your boundaries are set and, and the development hits a certain point, you have very limited access to those types of things. And you know, with autonomous vehicles and, and virtual and remote working and things like that, I, I really do feel as though the, not just the office spaces will reduce, but I really don't think we're going to need all these parking lots for much longer. Mm-hmm. And when we don't need these parking lots for much longer, people are going to be wanting to give up land like they've never been given up land before. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it provides an opportunity potentially for those physical environments for people to recreate that we don't have today. So one of the things we like to talk about are inspired experiences. And I know you and your department and your city have been really reinventing yourself you know, over the past several decades, but especially in recent years. I know there's uh, the downtown redevelopment, certainly you're expanding open space and 
So talk a little bit about some of the some of the efforts that you and the city of Dublin and parks, some of the monumental key parks and rec community open space. Just talk a little bit about the project. I think people would love to hear about it and learn more about it. But, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to councils. I'll, I'll use a plural term for the past several decades. If there's been a vision in Dublin, just as you said, to kind of reinvent who we are. You know, Dublin was this, um, as you and I've talked, this crossroads town way back when. And today it is not just a local, regional, and state type of attraction. Uh, it is a global, um, we call ourselves the global community of choice. And, you know, we've invented in so many new types of infrastructure, 100 gigabyte types of um, uh, internet services and things like that through our Dublink systems as an economic generator, you know, to our downtown area now, the redevelopment you mentioned. I'll use that as a specific example because this is, was this was the vision many, many years ago, and it's finally coming to fruition. And thankfully, I've got the ability to be uh, standing right in the middle of it right now, which is, has been uh, tremendous for me. But the what we refer to as the historic Dublin area and the new Bridge Park District, um, mm -hmm. it is a new development right in the heart of, of the city. Um, which we realize that if we don't provide an environment that attracts a, a walkable community, a more modern type of community for the younger generations and shift our mindset from the suburban household of 2.3 kids and driveway two-car garage houses and things of that, that nature, we really shifted to what's going to attract these types of new jobs from an economic standpoint. And I've got to tell you, you know, I talk about economic development a lot, about how our park system um, fuels that quite a bit. And this is one example of that. And that you now we're um, projects as a whole, we're, we're investing almost $50 million in park infrastructure right in the heart of the city. We just uh, completed the construction of the new pedestrian bridge linking the east and west sides of the Cider River. It's awesome, that, by the way. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, that was a $22 million project that um, is finally finally finished, 99% finished. We're doing some cleanup down there. But the west plazas, or the, the plazas on the west side of that and the east side of that are park properties in which you know it will allow for us to provide so many different things down in that area. It's an attraction, if you will. There are so many restaurants that have come up uh, that development, a lot of businesses, they can't, um, they can't build them as fast as they can either sell them or lease them mm -hmm. from a resident standpoint, an office standpoint. And a lot of that's because of the vision that, that's been used as part of that marketing for that whole area. And, you know, we take pride in this profession. We know the real economic generators for every community is our parks and systems. So um, we're, we're convinced of that. Nobody else is. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, this, it's interesting, the design of the park, particularly on the east side, is designed in such a way, I was, I was actually early criticized for the, the lack of the feel of destination for the park. And so I probed more about what that meant. And, and as, as the conversation went on, they used examples, for instance, you don't have any um, 
concessionary, you don't have an ice rink, you don't have a merry-go-round, you don't have a destination thing. And that it, it struck me at that point that I needed to explain the design of the park. And the design of the park is interesting enough in that it, it literally is on purpose a blank slate mm. in that we intend to program and permit activities out on that plaza area and lawn space that will be, it'll be changing not just every week, but every day, every hour of the day, mm-hmm. there'll be something new going on down there. So in in and of itself, you don't go down there to go to the merry-go-round. You go down there because you don't know what is going on down there today. I want to go down there and see what's happening down there today. So it's an attraction to get people down there. So we're really excited about this coming to fruition. We're hoping to finish up the at least the first two phases of that park um, late by late 2021, mm-hmm. at which time we'll start really seeing the fruits of our labor, I believe. So the tactic you really took with the design of that was rather than the piece of artwork in the frame, you created the frame and the infrastructure for that's right. what happens. Yeah, that's right. You know, when we were early on designing this, we were looking at putting a skating rink down there, ice rink for the winter time. And we were going to put a, a stage for concerts. Uh, we were going to put a concession stand down there, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, and I balked at all of that because you can do all of that stuff mobily. You can you can bring those things in when you want them. You don't have to build them on site, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> even more importantly, you don't have to operate them when you do that. Which is, <laughs> makes my job. It may look good, but somebody's got to man it and staff it and operate it, right? And that's 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 right. That's an issue Absolutely. for you. So throughout your career, have there been some, you know, have there been some experiences, some parks, some locations, some places? you know, that have been inspirational to you? Uh, you know, I find that a very interesting question in that most of my experiences in, in parks, um, from the standpoint of what I rem- what has been so influential for me was when I was a kid. Mm. And, um, you know, from the urban parks in Chicago to, uh, you know, some of the parks in the Everglades to, you know, Washington, D.C., and all of the monuments and the history and museums and things of that nature. When I look at the breadth of things that have been influential, it's always been one thing. It always comes down to one thing. And it's like, what are those things that you remember doing and what what sparks that memory? And it's usually that built environment that you're that's around you that, oh, yeah, I remember Oh, we did this and we did that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of it grounds you a little bit to help you remember some of those experiences. And and uh, so when you're when when now in this in this phase of my career, I try to create that same type of um, trigger, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a certain level of wow and memorability to something that, and it doesn't have to always be physical. It could be just the way it's designed to create that experience. It could be illusion. It could be um, just um, the, the types of activities that the structures allow, those kinds of things. But, and I don't know if there's any one major thing, but I will tell you this story and that, you know, growing up around DC, I did a lot of touring, obviously, not on my own. It's because everybody came to visit me because I lived near Washington, D.C., and I was their tour guide. And, um, but 
you know, you, you see all the history and um, from the Civil War types of uh, history that's surrounding the area to the book monuments and, and all of the, the history from just the federal government and everything else that's, that's in that area. And you think, wow, this is so old and so meaningful. And, you know, and then you go over to, I don't know, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you see these plaques on the wall that um, are from, you know, five, six hundred years before that. <laughs> and and these things are still standing. And and you have to just sit there in wonderment about, you know, what was what was the influence of that day to spark this type of a structure and and the history and the numbers of people that could have seen this thing between then and now mm-hmm. and and what memories did it create and you know it just takes you into a whole different tailspin of thought of wow i thought i knew history until they take me back another 500 years you know and so it's um it's kind of all over the place mm-hmm. that's great yeah when you go overseas and you see the places you're like, oh, <laughs> this is where this is where that part of our democracy started in this place, like two thousand years yeah. ago. I mean, it's it's uh, definitely humbling. Um, another thing we like to talk about is enduring impact, and talk a little bit about what you do as parks and recreation professionals, and the type of impact you like to have on the communities you serve. I think it's. It's multiple. Being where I am today in this in this community of Dublin, when it you know I I, I look at our primary work units and businesses that we operate, and you know our recreation programming is bar none off the charts for everybody and anything. And it's not just that we throw something out there because we think it'll be popular. We, we put something out there. We actually do a lot of strategic planning towards, uh, we actually have all kinds of matrices and things to make sure we're hitting all the buttons and all the cylinders. And, you know, we, anywhere from infant to toddler type of development and child opportunities and sportsmanship and teenagers and keeping them off the streets and keeping them engaged in adulthood and, and beyond into the senior, you know, moments of our lives, you know, it's a cradle to grave type of, sorry for the pun, but, you know, cradle to grave type of situation where um, we are, we are programming to enhance a, a life um, and the lives of the community. And so our recreation programming is designed for multiple facets of that. You combine that with our events and our community events and, and you bring the community together and they can all interact and engage and, and, and really call it a place of home and, and make those new friends. And we create that environment. And, you know, we have, you know, our park design, for instance, we don't just go out and, and throw a playground out and say, have fun with it. You know, we are entrenched in the community, into the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and asking for input on designs of everything we do because we want to make sure what we're providing is something that that, that neighborhood can truly enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if – I know you know this, but most people don't. You know, we're a 25-mile radius city maybe 26 by now. 
and we have 62 parks in our park system. And every one of those parks is nestled either in a neighborhood for all the right reasons, whether it's natural resource management, preservation, um, recreational amenities with playgrounds, tennis courts, basketball courts, those kinds of things for every single neighborhood. They have their, their own park system, if, if mm-hmm. you will. And, you know, then we have our community parks that we program very heavily. And each one of those is very active. And it, the whole purpose is to get the people together to congregate and to um, enjoy being together and, and, and creating those experiences that, that will literally last a, last a lifetime. And, you know, then we go into, you know, one of our other divisions of community outreach and engagement. And, you know, this division is responsible for connecting all the dots for those in need of whatever that need is. It could be mental health. It could be just aging in place. It could be um, volunteering for whatever. And, you know, we have a dedicated staff that literally goes out into the community um, and connects with uh, those in need. And we provide those connection points and, and put them in the right places and, and pull those resources together. And when you put all this together into one package, you know, you, you do, you, you actually feel the enhancement of the quality of life that you've created. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, things we're do, we do that we, we think will be good and, and it's not, but we, we seek influence and suggestions from the community. I think everybody in the profession does a really good job with that to make sure that what we provide is of value and is meaningful. Matt Ehrman, who has managed large parks and rec departments, been on the cutting edge of a department leading kind of a transformation of redesign of a city, right, from a parks and rec perspective. What wisdom, insight, or advice would you have to other leaders, other organizations to be better at what they do based on your experience and expertise? I think the number one thing is that if, until you focus on the purpose of what you do, the what you do and the how you do it, it's simply just a task. When you focus on the purpose behind what those things are and why you're doing them, you know, the motivation and innovation skyrockets. Um, funny story, that exact type of wisdom I tried to entrench into our um, our frontline staff, and um, I held a retreat with with um, eighty of our full time um, employees, and I gave a presentation on this whole topic of you know we all have a purpose here, we know why we're here, uh, but we don't always think about it every day. And I I just threw out the question on, and I said you know give me give me something you guys do every day, and um, gentlemen spoke up and he says we cut grass <laughs> and I said okay so why do we cut grass why what's the purpose of cutting grass and his response was short and it was to make long grass short <laughs> and, and you're like thank you <laughs> you know you know you fail miserably in a presentation when when something like that happens 
but it gave me a perfect opportunity to explain that, you know, you're not out there riding a mower to make tall grass short. You're riding a mower because you're making a ball field and a landscape as pristine and manicured as you can make it. And you're putting stripes in the lawn that people are going to drive by and look at that and say, wow, look at that. Mm. And there's going to be a kid playing baseball on that field. And he's going to remember the grass that he played on because you made it so pristine and manicured for him to play ball. Hmm. He's making the memories. And, he's making the memories for these kids. Exactly. You're not just riding a mower and making tall grass short was my point. And I think they understood that light bulb started going off in the room when I started asking more questions about, don't tell me what you do. Tell me why you do it. So I, I really think that if, if, people were to focus on why they're doing what they're doing their jobs become more not just tolerable but enjoyable you take more pride in what you do you start thinking of better ways to do it and you know you're, you're more motivated to get up and do it every day mm-hmm. that's my that's my opinion so what's motivating you right now what are the things that are getting you excited about um, doing what you do well i think one of the things you know i'm always up for a challenge um uh, <laughs> And every day right now has been a challenge for, for sure with just managing through this pandemic. Team's doing a phenomenal job and I'm trying to stay out of their way and providing, you know, trying to support and provide resources as best I can. The problem with, you know, having a challenge is you don't want all the challenges dropped in your lap at one time. <laughs> so that, that's certainly um, a problem. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the challenges and, and solving problems and working through issues. It's an everyday thing in this field and, and as, as in most fields. But, you know, we, we are in the uh, problem solving and plan B moment just about every day. But, you know, some of these exciting projects that are coming up that we've got working on, like Riverside Crossing mm-hmm. Park that I mentioned earlier down at Bridge Park. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're also renovating uh, one of our, uh, most iconic outdoor pool facilities right now. You may not be aware of that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we might know a little we, bit about that. <laughs> you might know a little bit about that. But, um, you know, these types of projects, you know, that pool has served hundreds of thousands of people yeah. over the 30 years it's been in service. And it's created so many memories. I mean, to the point where when we closed the pool down before we were going to tear it down, people were ripping tiles off of the pool because they wanted as a memorabilia. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was like the, wow, it was like the last game in Cleveland Brown Stadium yeah. where people were ripping seats <laughs> out, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, when those kinds of things happen, you know there's a bittersweet moment there that, you know, they, they're, all their memories are going to be, uh, let's just say, redone. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, you know, we're building this facility and I can't wait to get it up and running so that we can start on the next 30, 40 years of new, new types of memory. So, you know, when you start, when you, when you feel those rewards from what you're doing without getting the accolades from, you know, the, the vocal people of saying, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing because most any public service job, you don't get that. You, mm-hmm. you more or less will get the, the criticisms and the things that they would like to be done differently, which is fine. Um, but those kinds of things motivate. That's great stuff. So how can folks learn more about the city of Dublin and then the parks and recreation department? Come see us. Um, <laughs> you know, we have a website that is full of information, um, DublinOhioUSA.gov. And um, just about anything you want to learn about the city is on that webpage. And uh, 
from virtual tours to live construction cameras to all of our recreation programming and amenities in our park systems and bike paths. And um, I highly encourage people to come visit Dublin and enjoy some of the restaurants and some of the places to stay and, and enjoy, enjoy your ride while you're here. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, Matt, I can't thank you enough for hopping on the podcast, giving us a little background and some wisdom. It's always good to hear from you and have a conversation. Absolutely, Bill. I appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation. All right. Stay safe, my friend. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA Design, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com.